Well, you know, if you are like most people, you're probably afraid of making mistakes. I understand it's totally normal. In fact, it's human nature for us to be afraid of making mistakes or maybe being a little scared of making mistakes. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about how, you know, really mistakes are just a part of life and talk about some ways in which you can move your life forward and not be afraid of making mistakes. So with that, let's roll the episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, You will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. All right, everybody. Today, I have Nicola Ashinaike with me. And I think I said that right this time, right? Perfect. All right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have her on. She's been a longtime listener of the podcast, and she must like it because she actually wanted to be a guest on here too, right? So, Nicola, welcome. Um, you know, maybe at the beginning, because like I said, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about mistakes because people are afraid of mistakes. But maybe just give, give people a little context as to who you are, what you do, how you help people. Um, you know, and again, we'll use some specific examples as we're talking about this. But, you know, again, as you're listening, whether or not you fit into this demographic or some of the examples that we're going to talk about, just keep listening. Okay, because as you listen, what you're going to find is you're going to learn and be able to apply what we're talking about to your own life. So, Nicola, take Take it away. Let, let everybody know a little bit about yourself um, to begin with, and then let's get into what we're going to talk about. Great. Thank you again for having me on. Um, my name is Nicola Oshanaike, and I'm the founder of an organization called Audit Data Hub. Um, so we provide um, dedicated training for data analytics, but for beginners from a completely non-technical background. Um, so I would currently say my profession is internal audit, 
but I started way back when as a mechanical engineer. So I, yeah, so I think- Even sexier than auditing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not sure, but I mean, I think I've made loads of mistakes. So I really wanted to be a mechanical engineer from about the age of 12. Really, really, that was my passion. And I did it and I qualified and I began designing aircraft. And after 18 months, I absolutely hated it, hated it. But it was a bit, my family were like, you spent so long studying, but it wasn't me. So I moved on to project management, moved on again to um, working with technology teams. So I did um, working for Accenture with um, technology um, consulting, moved again to public sector, working with more tech teams, designing business processes until I stumbled across audit. So I've moved around quite a bit and made mistakes maybe, but I think the fact that I recognized that something wasn't for me and I was able to move on, helped me kind of get to the point where I'm running my own business now and I'm training um, auditors in data analytics, which is a much needed skill right now. Well, it is, it is a much needed skill. In fact, it's one of the skills that is in most demand that most people don't have, right? So, so what you're doing is helping lots of people, but I, let's, let's unpack a little bit of what you just talked about because um, I think this is a, it's a good example for people, right? Because like you said, since you were 12, you wanted to be a mechanical engineer and it's like, holy crap, you, you were designing aircraft. That's amazing. Right. I, to, to me, I was like, I didn't know that about you, (laughs) but, but, you know, so, so here you go, you know, 12 year old girl all the way up until, you know, you qualify, you get through college, you start a job, 18 months into it, you realize, you know what, this really isn't what I want to do. Now, a lot of people at that point would stop and go, oh, that's a big mistake. I'm a failure. I've spent all this time, you know, 10, 15 years, right? By that point of going down this path and, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And people usually get down on themselves at that point, right? And there's all that negative self-talk that ends up going on like, I just wasted 15 years of my life, right? But you took a different approach, mm-hmm. right? And so so let's talk about that because, you know, you didn't even land where you are now the first time you changed, right? Right, but I, I think now you're saying it, I didn't, it didn't feel fearful to me. I think um, in my mind, the um, the stress of being in an uncomfortable situation far outweighed the risk of messing it up. So I think I weighed it up like that. So I can either be miserable and not risk failure or take a chance and hopefully it's better than where I am. And I just think from my, my mindset, I always feel that it's better to take a chance that something could get better rather than sticking with the status quo that just doesn't work for you. So I think I didn't feel like it was failure. It was, it didn't fear fearful at the time. Well, which is great. And that's the kind of attitude that we need to have, right? Because again, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people stay stuck where they're at, um, even in that pain, right? Because they're, they, they believe that making another mistake might be more painful than what they're actually focusing on right now. So having, you know, there, there's a, there's a tip for everybody, right. Is, is kind of thinking in that way of, 
you know, it's, it's not, if, if you're in a point in your life where you, you feel like there's pain, you might as well make another choice that hopefully will get you out of that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Now, the other thing, and I think what it, what it kind of shows in your career too, is, you know, I love, I think it was Steve Jobs, um, Stanford commencement speech where he said, you know, as you go through life, you can never really connect the dots until you turn around and look backwards. And then what seems like a random path in life, you look back and see that those dots actually line up. So again, you know, you started off as a mechanical engineer, you did a bunch of other stuff in the meantime, yeah. but did all of those little things end up helping you get to exactly where you're supposed to be today? Strangely, yes, I think so. Because I mean, I joined um, audit and I, another five years of study <laughs> to qualify <laughs> as a chartered internal auditor, which I love. But I think very early on in my career, I in my audit career, I knew I was different. I just didn't think the way everybody else kind of thought. And I was like, why are we not using data? Why are we sample testing? It just didn't really make sense to me. And I, I, a few things happened. And I think this is the fear factor it was a bit aggressive to be quite honest. So people, when I kind of raised it, people were kind of like, well, that's not the way we do things around here. That it was that kind of- <laughs> That would be uncomfortable to have to do something different. Right, and I think that raises um, an interesting point about fear. So I think sometimes you can be fearful and it can lead you to stay in your comfort zone and stay where you are. But on the other side, it can lead you to kind of ensure that everybody around you stays where they are. And that that was essentially where it gets dangerous because because you're fearful of change, you're stifling everybody else around you. And I kind of started to feel a little bit like that. Hence, I kind of moved on. But I think that that is the challenge with especially the business environment changing as fast as it's changing. There are a lot of people that are scared of the change. So instead of maybe going, well, I'm going to embrace it a little. I may not get it right first time, but I'm going to at least let it in. They're stopping everybody around them from embracing it because they're fearful of what's going to happen if if change occurs. So I definitely did see the aggressive side of what fear can do. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you bring up a great point that it holds others around you back, yeah. but it also holds you back. Right. And, and, and you made a very interesting comment that I want to I want to touch on because a lot of people feel the same way you did. Right. So you said, you know, I get in here and I realized I'm a little different. And I was asking some questions, you know, and the people around me are like, well, why would you want to change? Why would you want to do anything different? Right. This is the way we've done it for 50 years. Why not? Right. I mean, that's 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 like people. And I'm sure there were people like this, you know, when Einstein came out with the theory of relativity. Yeah. They were probably like. Why would we want to do that? We've been doing Newtonian physics for 400 years. Why would we want to change? Because uh, we figured out a better way to do it. You know, it's it, it kind of seems like like common sense. But but, I you know, a lot of people that I talk to feel exactly like you did. Right. I'm a little different. And at that point, you kind of had the choice. Right. You could decide to just do what everybody else was telling you and kind of move yourself back into what they expected, which was not who you are, 
or you could choose to just be yourself and do things different mm -hmm. right and you chose to different to do but, things different right but that has taken quite a few years of confidence building I would say so I think now I've grown I'm on the other side and I see the benefit of being different but I think when you're in that situation and you see you're different and you're calling things out and everybody's saying you're crazy I think it is very easy just to go back in the box but now I, I see the world differently and I think the world needs different the world needs change and I'm quite proud to be completely different. So I'm, I'm embracing being different now. Well, and that's, that's good. That's one of the reasons why I like you so much too, right? And you're, <laughs> and you're smiling, you're laughing, right? I mean, people that are listening to this are probably, you know, unless you're watching the video, you can't see it, but she's got a big smile on her face, right? And, and you know, myself as somebody who people kind of have seen as crazy and different for a lot of years, um, you know, what you brought up there about the confidence is, is an important thing, right? Because it scares people because they don't know. But the problem is you're not going to know until you actually try it, right? Mm -hmm. But again, you can, you can decide to just go along and fit the mold of what other people expect you to be, or you can be yourself. Now, I'm guessing, so again, you know, as you were kind of talking about your career path, I could see the, the dots lining up as you were talking about it. What do you think would have happened if you came into audit and you had all these ideas? You know, why aren't we using data? You're bringing all these things up to people. And what do you think would have happened if you would have listened to everybody else and just conformed to what the expectations were? I just think maybe the person I am, it just wouldn't. I'm just not a very good conformer, I think. But I think I've, I've, you know, maybe when I was younger, I would have been a bit more stubborn. But I've now seen you can be a non-conformer in a very professional manner. So there are more than one ways to skin a cat, put it that way. So I think now I am trying to be much braver and I'm trying to use my voice to kind of call things out more. And I don't feel afraid to do that. So I'm kind of, you know, in the audit world, I'm sure you know, we've been talking about data analytics. I think I went back to about 30 years. Um, probably about right. That's, probably about that's... right, mm -hmm. right? And then I'm a bit like, well, clearly just telling everybody that we need to embrace data analytics has not worked. So I'm kind of looking in a different direction going, Let's find out why, what is the root cause? So I'm more interested in understanding why. And I think the more I've thought about it, I've seen very similar traits between audit and actually the wider business. Because if you think about the way that workers are trained, right? We are process driven. We, are, we learn how to do steps. Even with IT systems, we learn how to press the buttons in the right order. And that's very comfortable. We're moving into a world where there is no precedent there's nothing to compare the problems that you're facing because we're facing them for the first time. So a lot of those very traditional mindsets and decision-making processes are just not working. So we have to move to something else, but there's a massive cohort of people that are fearful that this different is gonna make them redundant essentially. And they're stifling change, but I'm kind of like, you're just, it's a bit of a false economy because you're just, Kind of shooting yourself in the foot really <laughs> so i think it's coming well it's coming that's why you know i use 
terms like you know Dylan's the times they are a changing mm -hmm. they're they're changing folks and and it's you know you can you can choose to just be the ostrich and stick your head in the sand and try to ignore it or you can do something about it you can make a choice you can choose to retool yourself get re-educated um be, be, because the reality is things are changing and we need different skill sets both technical you know like like we're talking about from an internal audit perspective and data analytics but also in managing change in working in more self-directed teams you know in doing a lot of things like that as well that we've got to come up you know we've, we've got to upskill ourselves we're going to get left behind and you know again there's a lot of people though that until the pain gets bad enough they just don't want to change right mm, but i think we're not quite at the point where the motivation is strong enough to push the majority in that direction so um most technologists will know if you don't keep up your skills you will not be employable because the the tech moves so quickly you have to keep yourself up to date and there's a lot of reading in your own time and upskilling yourself now especially in audit you can very easily get a job in audit tomorrow with no data skills at all it's completely fine so where is the motivation to learn and i think until that shift moves it's, it's a bit of a difficult sell really at the moment yeah, and there's always the early adopters, you know, like mm -hmm. you and me that, that see this. We see this coming, <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's like, you know, it, it always surprises me when people, you know, from risk management or anything, you know, it's like, I was so surprised. How did, how could that ever happen? And I'm thinking, we've known this is going to happen for five years. We didn't know when, but can you not see the trends, right? But a lot of people choose, choose not to. And so it is, it's always the brave people, the people with the, with the courage at the beginning to actually go out and try to do things different. And eventually everybody else will end up coming along, right? But, yeah. but for a lot of people, it's not until the, until the pain is too much. So, so, let, so let's talk about that maybe a little bit because, you know, like we said, mistakes are a part of life, but I even say there really are no mistakes. There's just feedback right? Because everything that you do gets you closer to where you need to be. Sometimes those things don't work out the way we thought they were going to, like, you know, your career, you're not designing airplanes anymore, unless you do that for fun on the side. I don't know, you might have a not hobby. But no, not anymore. <laughs> I used to, I used to draw airplanes, actually, when I was little. So when you, oh. when you would say that, it was like, that's funny. I used to actually like draw pictures of airplanes and how they were going to, anyway, it wasn't, a, I wasn't a mechanical engineer at that point. Anyway. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so there really are no mistakes anyway, but what, what kind of holds people back from wanting to try something new? I think, I feel it's a muscle. I think it's practice. So I think if you thought about it, like if you chose to learn the guitar, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody would pick up a guitar and in the first lesson expect to play a really complicated song first time. It, it's, it's just silly, right? So I think people look at that kind of thing and mistakes are acceptable, 
but they look at the workplace and learning skills and trying new things in a corporate sense and it's suddenly unacceptable to make a mistake and I think sometimes it's quite easy for corporations to look at you know very creative industries like you know Google and Facebook and they're like oh we want to be like them we want to digitally transform and we want to be agile and we're going to say every buzzword in the dictionary but they're really just words because the thing is unless you look at the culture of those organizations you're never going to emulate their success and it's probably I, I feel quite confident in saying there's probably limited specific direction in Facebook there's a lot of autonomy for them to just be creative for them to come up with ideas for them to be problem solvers now if you have an organization that is very dictatorial you've got a lot of rules and procedures audit is very procedural driven it's very unreasonable to expect that entire cohort to suddenly be creative data is creative and we're just expecting all of these very process-driven people to suddenly be creative and look at data and make sense of it. And it's, it's a completely different muscle. So I think if people just saw their career development in the same way as potentially, it sounds a bit silly, but learning a guitar, just be kinder to yourself. And I think leaders need to have that appreciation that mistakes are just learning, nothing more. Well, it's, that's and that's a great analogy. Right, because again, it, it, and it's 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 leaders being um, <clears throat> being patient with the people that, that that they're working with, but also ourself, you know, as well. Because I see so many people that um, you know, again, we'll just use the guitar, right? Got one sitting back there, right? Now, if I if I pick up that guitar, now that, that one happens to be an acoustic, the uh, the nice Fender, you know, Super Strat is over here in the corner. But let's say I pick up the super strat, right? Yeah. And the first time I pick it up, I expect to be able to, to do a, an Eddie Van Halen riff. It ain't going to happen, right? Because again, it takes practice. I mean, that man practiced every day for hours to be able to do what he did. So it would be silly for me to think that I could just pick it up and just boom, have it, right? But how much of the time do we do that, especially in the business area? And then we try it once, we make a mistake, and then we're hard on ourselves too, right? It's like, Jason, you're so stupid. I can't believe that you can't play like Eddie after just, you know, buying it and picking it up one time. And it seems a little extreme, but, you know, for those of you listening, if you're honest with yourself, how many times have you had those kind of conversations in your head? Mm. And it I'm is, guessing it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I think, but I think it's normal, but I think because we don't talk about it enough, it feel, if you experience that, you think you're the only one. Um, I, I saw a very interesting statistic um, from the UK recently. So um, I don't know if you know the term data literacy, but it's essentially um, a skill to mm -hmm. be able to look at data, analyze it, communicate it, make sense of it, essentially. And um, there was a very large survey done across the UK asking um, leaders if they have a data skills gap. And 60% said, absolutely not. And then... Oh, interesting. Right. So 60% of the people are lying to themselves. <laughs> I, this, this is my point. 60% of the people surveyed said, no, there is no data literacy gap. However... 
50% of those same organizations are directly recruiting for data roles. Then I think it was something like 45% said, we want to train our internal people in data. And then no, like I think 5% had been trained in the last two years. So there is a big difference between what people are saying and what's happening. And I just don't know if there's a fear of, especially leaders in the boardroom saying, we don't have these skills. What are we going to do to get them? So you get this strange kind of nodding effect where everybody says, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine but it's not, it's not, it's not. And then everybody says it's fine. So then the next person says it's fine. And then there is no plan to actually address the problem. It seems, I think it's, it's a corporate thing. Well, because, you know, again, it's <clears throat> as humans and as organizations, we're afraid to admit that we don't have our shit together. Okay. I mean, that's, that's just a reality, right? And so again, we go through life, most of us go through life, you know, lying to ourselves to make ourselves feel better, instead of actually fixing the underlying root cause and, you know, trying something different, learning and moving forward. And I think it's interesting, because I wanted to, to double back, you know, again, on because, because we're talking about, you know, data literacy and, and, and some of the stuff along with that, you brought up the point about, you know, that data is creative. And so I wanted to go there just for a minute because it's interesting. I was just preparing for a speech that I'm giving the end of the month and it's, it's to risk managers. Okay. But it's same, same kinds of concepts, right? Where a lot of times people will, they'll look at data. Risk management uses a lot of data. They crunch a lot of numbers and they believe that everything is just scientific. It's mathematical. It's, you know, that's, that's all it is. The data, we don't need to worry about qualitative. Don't trust your gut, just rely on the data. So it's interesting that you bring this up because, you know, one of the slides that I have in my speech is about it's the art and the science. And so interestingly enough, you know, if you, if you take a look at somebody like Leonardo da Vinci, one of the greatest artists of all time, also one of the greatest scientists of all time. So he, he was, you know, multidisciplinary in that way. In fact, you know, most of the, of the greatest scientists, we already mentioned Einstein before, right? Well, he was a very artistic man as well, right? And that's what helped him lead to some of the some of the stuff. So it's a marrying of both. It's not either or, right? So maybe talk a little bit more about that because again, you know, for the for the people that are listening that are in that data field, they're gonna they probably heard that and they kind of went, What? She must have just made a mistake in what she said, but you didn't. You didn't, <laughs> no. right? No. No, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer that. I mean, I, I would class myself as highly data literate. So I can look at a situation, I can decide what data I need, how I need to analyze it. And then I can look at graphs and say, that doesn't look right. Or I'm looking at this data, this is telling me that we should go in this direction. So I would describe myself as being data literate like that. I'm not an amazing coder. I'm not a data scientist. I'm not in that field but I can move to different contexts. So I think all of those years when I was engineering and doing science and maths, 
I was using data in lots of different contexts. So now you can put me in any organization. And as long as I understood how the system works, I could figure out what data you need and what it tells you. So I think the reason it is creative is because every data scenario is not the same. There are some basic principles on the things you need to do with data, but depending on the question, depending on the situation, depending on the client, you need to be creative enough to think about, oh, well, that looks like that sales price is going up. But because I know this about the organization, this means that. And I think that's the creative element. It's looking at the raw numbers and then making it applicable to what's actually going on on the ground in terms of business and in terms of decision making. And I mean, if you if you if you do any research in terms of what a lot of businesses are looking for now, I mean, the, the most common roles are data scientists. However, data scientists are not always great at context switching. So you need people that understand data, that understand the business to translate all of the amazing technical stuff that the scientists are coming out with to, to make sense of it, to say to the business leaders, this is the decision you should be making based on the data I'm seeing. So it's definitely a combination of science and creativity, definitely. Well, that's why you 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 put some terms out in there that I that I want to kind of stop and just <clears throat> go into a little bit, okay? Because, and again, this is relevant for everybody. Okay, mm -hmm. this is not specifically about data, but these are these are again some of the trends that we're seeing that you need to start embracing if you want to be relevant in the future, right? And so earlier on, you talked about how we're taught how to do things in processes. Right. Step A, step B, step C, step D. Right. And in fact, you know, when I was in college, it was interesting because I actually had some professors. Right. They would teach A, B, C, D process methodology on the test. That's not how they tested. They tested D, C, B, A to see if you actually understood and fully grasped the concept. Right. And, and so again, there's so many people now that are taught processes, do A, then B, then C, then D. They can't think outside of that particular process. But this is one of those skills, like you just said, corporations are looking for people who can actually kind of see outside of the box. We've, we've had that term for a long time, yeah. right? But, but our educational systems, for the most part, are just teaching people how to play in the box. And we've gotten rid of the out of the box. I mean, that's why even, you know, university, now university is just a trade school. It's like going to school to learn how to be a plumber. And all you know how to do is plumbing, right? The, in the old days, it was liberal arts education, right? If you're a scientist, why do you need to, to read the Greek and Roman classics? Why do you need to have an art appreciation class, right? And a lot of people are saying, we don't need that. Sounds like we actually do though, right? To make our brain work the way that it needs to in the future. I think, yeah, it's partly that. I think, you know, I am not a kind of doom and gloom person. I'm very positive, but I'm also a realist. And the reality is there is technology out there coming that very easily automates routine processes. And I think the problem is a lot of us have kind of looked at this and it's very easy to go, this is nothing to do with me. My profession is so complicated, it could never be automated. 
but that's just not true, <laughs> right? And I think what's going to essentially happen is step-by-step, step, very routine, you know, repetitive processes will be automated. And what is left is the complex problem solving. Now, if you're presented with a complex problem, by its very nature, you probably haven't seen something very similar to it before. So it requires creativity, diversity in the team to think of a solution, right? So you're gonna need less people that know how to do the step-by-step -step process because the machines will be doing that. And you need more people that are able to think on their feet that essentially are able to solve a problem before it becomes a disaster. And I think organizations are struggling with that shift because I think for them, it's, you know, very big organizations are very slow to change. They're very hierarchical, you know, people at the top are very comfortable. They've, there's a, there's a, an order of things and they enjoy kind of giving out instructions and people following. But actually you can't be everywhere at the same time. So if you have lots of problems propping up everywhere, if you have a workforce that are waiting to be told to fix a problem, then there's going to be fires everywhere. So I think as time goes on, they need more people that are, you know, they brave, they are willing to stick their neck out and go, well, this is a problem. This is a solution. I'm just going to get on with it. And that's how very nimble companies move so fast. So if you look, I mean, take audit for an example. Um, internal auditors feel we are the only ones. And I think it's, it's quite convenient to think that if you took one minute just to look at the number of AI companies for finance that are popping up and doing amazing, you would see straight away we are not the only ones. But I think it's your viewpoint. You kind of tell yourself that what I'm doing is special and different and it's not what they're doing. So there's no threat. Hence, I don't need to do anything. And I think that that's part of the problem. Well, it is. And just to add, you know, like you said, you can look you can look at all the finance AI companies that are out there. I'll point to another another one, World Economic Forum, okay? Little organization in the world, right? That doesn't know what they're talking about, you know? Um, two of the top five professions that they expect to see outsourced or automated in the next five years, i.e. folks, what that means is people in these two professions are probably going to lose their job because it will become automated. Auditors, and accountants. Now, again, those groups are looking at it saying, oh no, we're so important. We know more than everybody else. You can't replace me. Well, if what you're doing mainly is automated routine tasks that don't require complex problem solving, you're gonna get outsourced to a computer. Just a I fact of life. Worse than that, what I, I what I see actually will happen is you'll get a group that are very kind of decisive that they're not going to shift and the, the tech will go around them. Well, we've seen that already. Yeah. We, we've seen that with these specific groups that we're talking mm -hmm. about in corporations. They, yeah. they refuse to change. Mm -hmm. So the organization creates other departments to do what they need them to do that they're unwilling to do. So they're already being worked around right now. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, how come people are taking our work from us? Because you're not doing the real work, right? Um, is a sad, sad story for it people. It is sad, but I think there's amazing opportunity because I think if you're able to see that for the reality it is, you can maneuver yourself. 
you can build the skills and you can make yourself valuable in a different way but it takes recognition and then movement <laughs> so I think yeah. there's two things that need to happen in tandem for it to be a success I mean the reality is these AI companies for finance would not be as successful if the demand wasn't there and once they're done there they'll start moving into other areas it's just a matter of time and I think I mean I think back to I mean I wasn't alive to be honest but when computers were first introduced I can imagine there was a <laughs> there was some a of us were kind of around <laughs> I can, but I think it, it was possibly the same, right? People were mm -hmm. like, I'm not using computers, I'm using a typewriter, but they came anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, you can't you you can't stop it. I mean, you can you can choose to be the ostrich again and stick your head in the ground, but it, it ain't gonna happen. <clears throat> and so again, you know, hopefully again, you should be reading between the lines as you're listening to this because you don't have to be an auditor or a data person to to see that the world is changing. There's things that you need to do differently to be able to succeed in the future, right? Again, we've talked about, you know, we've, we've gotten so used to process methodologies, but yeah. you can't, you can't just rely on knowing the processes. You have to learn and have some of these complex problem solving skills mm -hmm. um, because the future is going to look a little different than it has before. Now, a lot of the things may be similar and we, sh and we should be able to analogize to some historical events that were similar and probably learn from that. But that's where this multidisciplinary and context switching that you, that you brought up there, which again, are probably some terms that some people don't, don't fully grasp. So I thought, let's just talk for a, a minute or two on that, right? But multidisciplinary, probably easier for people to understand, right? That you you understand or are versed in different things, right? Because again, we, the, the people who change the world and who add the most value are able to see different examples in other places in the world and translate that into what they're doing, right? And so again, you can take, you know, take some examples of big companies like Airbnb, uh, you know, Uber, Lyft, those companies, right? Where again, they saw some of the technology changes, some of the abilities to provide something that was already being delivered like that mm -hmm. in those other industries and say, hold it, we can do the same thing, right? Why? Why do you have to, you know, go to Marriott or Hilton to get a hotel room? What if we can set up an app for that and bypass those companies? Would it work? Well, it kind of works over here. So let's try it here. Sure enough, it worked, right? And it's yep. created billions of dollars worth of value and made it easier for people. Mm -hmm. Uber, Lyft, same thing, right? Hey, well, if you can do it in a hotel space, can you do it? in the taxi space, you can, right? But again, it was those people having those multidisciplinary, <clears throat> you know, mindset and the complex problem solving skills that were able to find the solution. Exactly, but you raise another challenge. Um, you know, the people that have started those amazing businesses and there are people like that, that may not be in big spaces, but have that same mindset how do you retain them as an organization? Because naturally 
they do not follow rules because that's what that what's make that is what makes them them they are creative they push the boundaries they don't follow abc they want it to be all over the place because that that's what makes them happy and if they're in environments that are very stifling you are not going to hold on to them you just won't no and you and you see that time and time again because i've worked enough with startup tech companies that that usually the people who found them or the you know initial people that get it started once it becomes corporified right meaning yeah. hey you you know you go public and all of a sudden now you've got to follow all these rules and you bring in all the stodginess of corporations usually they end up getting ousted uh, because they don't conform and so then they go off and they start a new company right yeah. and and just keep going because again that doesn't fit who they are like we talked about at the beginning with you mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so instead of conforming to the corporates they just go start something new and it's interesting because, you know, Elon Musk is one of those people. Now, the only reason he hasn't been kicked out is he has never given up control. Right. Right. So Which they can't kick of, him out. So they can't <laughs> kick him out. And I, and I remember hearing him on an interview one time because, because people were giving him grief about, you know, Tesla, you know, it doesn't have very good corporate governance. You need to get better corporate governance. And we want to, you know, put all these little safeguards around you so you can't do some crazy stuff you know and he looked at him and he's like well you know what i'm not going to do it and if you want a company that has really good corporate governance on on paper uh, i think ford motor company does why don't you go invest in them instead Mm. right but market is shown i mean tesla is one of the most valuable companies in the world doing it his own way doing it creatively you know using some of these you know, multidisciplinary, complex problem-solving skills that we've been talking about. So well, I think there's room for both, Jason, to be is. honest. I, I think there is room because I think as an auditor by trade, I, you know, I am all for corporate governance, <laughs> but I think I think there's a good balance to be struck. But I, the only thing I did want to say is I just think this whole concept is relevant to absolutely everybody. If you're a florist, if you work in HR, if you work in procurement, I think the reality is for you to make better decisions, you need a slightly different skill set. I mean, you need data to start with, but then you need to be able to understand what to do with it and then how to make decisions. So I think there's going to be a shift in all walks of life in terms of business, not just the corporates, because the, the, the environment is so competitive. You need an edge to be able to compete. So, you know, even florists or different kinds of stores are, you know look at the ones that have gone fast because they refuse to go digital well they, they're now no longer mm-hmm. so th- this is what and I think I think this is the reality of what happens when you are slow but I think you know it does happen but people just don't believe it will be them hence they just stay in their comfort zone yeah and so to kind of you know to kind of end and wrap up kind of where we started you know, again, as it's like, you know, but so many people are afraid of making a mistake, of doing something different, of allowing themselves to actually be themselves, right? Because again, it's, it's, you add a lot more value to this world and you will be a lot happier if you just embrace who you are and be who you are, right? 
And so, you know, I'll go back to a couple of examples. We talked about Elon Musk. Now, I, I think he's on the autistic scale at some point, right, to where a lot of people would say, oh, you know, well, he just doesn't have what it takes. Well, because he sees the world differently and he embraces who he is that way, yeah, he can be a pain in the butt to work with. I've heard some horror stories, okay? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not endorsing that side of it, but yeah. because he's who he is and he, and he, he embraces that, he sees the world differently than other people. Temple Grandin is another one who, you know, autistic person, but I mean, that woman has done some amazing stuff in life because she sees the world differently and embraces who she is, you know, and part of her life now is, look, there's all these other people that are a little bit different, that don't fit in the mold, but it doesn't mean that we're not valuable right? We add a tremendous amount of value by seeing things in a different way. And I think that's kind of what we've been saying here too. And the fact that, you know what, look, it's, we don't, you, you don't know until you try something and okay, maybe it didn't, you know, work out the way you were expecting it to. You're not going to die. Right. <laughs> no. I, mean, I mean, most every, most every decision that we have in life, doesn't lead to death yeah so what is there really to be afraid of anyway regret ah regret i think that's more scary than failure personally but you know <laughs> me too which yeah. is probably why why we operate the way that we do yeah. and and you know it's you know again maybe maybe you're sitting there listening to this going oh i want to i want to do some of this i want to be a little I want to be a little braver, have a little bit more courage in my life, right? Well, try it, do something, right? You're going to start getting evidence. I mean, you were talking about confidence yourself, right? That it's, it's ta it takes a while to build up the confidence, just like it takes time to build up the confidence and playing the guitar, right? But over time, if you're consistent at doing it, you're going to get more confident. And, and then again, it's like, you know, what I say, too and i've heard a few of my friends actually say something to this effect just because i'm afraid doesn't mean i'm not going to do it yeah and when you can get to that point in your life you know to where you say mm, yeah that scares me a little bit but i'm going to do it anyway mm. you know i'm going to go ride the bull you know if i if i get an opportunity to ride a bull and i've ridden mechanical bulls before <laughs> not not real live bovines right but uh. <laughs> but um you know, it's like, yeah, you know, hey, Jason, you want to ride the bull? It's like, yeah. <laughs> What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to fall on, you know, some foam. It ain't going to kill me. And it was actually pretty fun, right? Or you'll regret not trying it because the moment. Or you'll fun, regret right? not trying it. <laughs> well, and and that's, you know, again, it's um, how many people at the end of their life are filled with regret. Oh, Don't be that person. Mm -mm right? Don't be that person. Just live your life now. Be who you are. Embrace embrace who you are. Look at the world differently. Develop some of these skills. I don't know. I'm trying to wrap up a little summary. Am I mi missing anything? Kind of final thoughts, you know, from you to leave everybody with? Um, no, I just, I think, like I said, the balance is always is it better? Is it less painful to stay in a bad situation rather than take a risk and try something different? I think that's the balance. I think for most people, the fear of failure is less. It's just the perception 
I think of being a grown up. And I don't think it's really accepted that grown ups make mistakes. And I think that's part of the problem. It's yeah, because <laughs> grown ups do make mistakes. I've been a grown up long enough that I promise we do make mistakes and it's okay. It's like, uh, I tell my kids all the time. <laughs> it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time today. Um, you know, for people that want to reach out to you, how, how's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, so you can um, find us on my website. So that's www.auditdatahub.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. So um, we've got Audit Data Hub, Audit Data Hub on LinkedIn or Nicola Oshinaike, so that's O-S-I-N-A-I-K-E on LinkedIn. Um, I am an advocate for data for everyone, so non-technical data training. So if you're interested or you just want to know more about how you can upskill yourself in data, just be brave, get in touch, and I'm happy to have a conversation. Yeah, perfect. Well, again, thank you for coming on because I know it's, you know, your life has been proof right? To people that, hey, we're going to, we're going to take course corrections in life and everything's going to work out. Everything happens for you, not to you. And, you know, again, we get to where exactly where we need to be by going through even what we might consider as mistakes. Sometimes it's just a part of life and it's really not a mistake anyway. It's just feedback. So you can make a better decision next time. Agreed. So with that, thank you. Um, we might have to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast, and you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, join the Briefing Leadership Program, where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, Head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.